You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey everyone, on today's show we break down the Giants' loss to the Eagles. We talk about some of the struggles in game planning, why the Giants really blew their lead in the fourth quarter, and talk a lot about the deficiencies on the defensive side of the ball. So thank you guys for listening, and let's get to it. Hello, and welcome to the Big Blue Review Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum, and we are here in the aftermath of a 25-22 New York Giants loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. Chris, I think last week we talked about how what the Giants were doing was was playing with fire a little bit in how they game-planned against Tampa Bay, and that ended up in a win, but we said it's going to be dangerous if they do that again against Philly and they might not be as lucky. And I think that's exactly what happened in this game. Yep. For some reason, trying to pit your team's weakness against the other team's strength didn't work out against a team that wasn't one of the absolute worst in the league. It's amazing. (laughs) Let's just get into the game plan part because that is that was a big part of what happened in this game and then by some circumstances became a big thing of what happened after the game. So after the game, Odell Beckham was asked about the deep shots and, and why there wasn't a whole lot of passes really, really going out of their way to target the Eagles secondary, which was down five defensive backs five even cornerbacks not even defensive backs five corners and we could go a step further and say they're also down uh jordan hicks their top linebacker who's a really good coverage linebacker so the the outside and the middle of their defense was weak against the pass yeah so let's just run through who they started at cornerback yeah so let's just go over who the eagles had at cornerback in this game, Devontae Busby played 98% of the snaps. Cravion LeBlanc played 73% of defensive snaps. Chandon Sullivan played 68% of the snaps. These were the guys that Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard were going against, and there was just not a lot of plays that tried to take advantage of that. And uh, that It's something we talked about last week against Tampa Bay, where there wasn't a lot that went against their secondary that was making opposing offenses look like the Los Angeles Rams passing game by the numbers. And then th- going into this game, the Eagles were down their entire secondary. They were down five cornerbacks. The Giants right now have five cornerbacks on their roster. So think about who the Giants have on their roster right now. Now take away all those guys. And would you ima- could you imagine another team going against that group of secondary players and not throwing the ball down the field all the time? 
more specifically, could you imagine that group of secondary players having to defend Odell Beckham, let alone Sterling Shepard? Yeah, it's insane. And even when these guys were healthy, the Eagles were 32nd in big play rate allowed on defense. And the Giants just took no advantage of that. And it's insane. And for Beckham to come out and say after the game that ask, asking, first of all, that asking why there weren't more downfield shots is a question for the coach. And he's right that it is. But for him to say, looking at what the Eagles had at the secondary, he would have liked if it was in the game plan more. Good on him. Like, he should be frustrated that wasn't in the game plan. Imagine you having Odell Beckham and not using him against guys that probably at least three quarters of you listening to this have never heard of. That is that is insane to me. And I think we have to figure out what what the reasoning there is. Is it that the Giants just really think they have like such a strong run game that they don't need to throw down the field? And if so, that's flawed thinking process. Is it because they don't trust their quarterback to throw downfield that often and take advantage of that? If that's the case, then you seriously need a new quarterback and you and you should not be like, giving us this thing that Eli still has years left if, if he's the reason you're not game planning. So we need to find out what the reason for these non-aggressive game plans are and, and fix it because it's it's insane. They got away with a win last week, but they played the same game plan this week, and it just it didn't work, and we saw that coming. I think they don't do it, and it, this isn't the first time that they did it against the Eagles. The first time they did it against the Saints, who have a, have a horrific pass defense. It This is the fourth or fifth time this season we have seen the Giants go up against a fatally flawed pass defense and just not attack it at all or at least not until they were desperate and I think they're not doing it just because they don't want to do it you know we saw in the week after the bye week they came out and doubled down on the short quick passes the short week the first time against Philadelphia they had one of their most anemic passing attacks of the season you know, both of those times that's when you see who you are as a team what the foundation of your offense and defense are and that's who they are I mean this offense is just it's so frustrating to watch especially given how the league as a whole is trending Everything else is trending towards these these deep passes and more aggressive play calling on offense, and the Giants are just completely ignoring it. Yeah, and especially considering how they are built. Now, yes, most most of the Giants' skill position players were, or at least Beckham, Shepard, and Ingram, were acquired by Jerry Reese. Fine. But they're on the team. They're who you have to work with, and they're all Three of them are matchup nightmares, along with Saquon Barkley. And the Giants' offense is just handcuffing them. They're asking them to play with their feet in cement and to make any kind of yardage beat three, four, five defenders. Like you said, it's frustrating to watch. Yeah, and it, it just it doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, the, the Giants were able to put up 
crap load of yards in the first half. They, they, they did dominate the Eagles' defense, uh, but only came away with 19 points. And I, I think you could tell at that point, at least you should have been able to tell, that that wasn't going to be enough, especially if they let up in the second half like they did against Tampa, and that is exactly what happened. The Giants just stopped being, or not even stopped being, refused to be aggressive really early in the second half when when they could have put up uh, some more points and there were some plays where where they were aggressive so let's let's talk about the the interception to end the first half so the Giants had 17 seconds left in the first half they had the ball on the 27 and one timed out and then Eli throws that bad interception toward Odell Beckham Uh, there were two guys coming in on him so that obviously is aggressiveness being bad, but that actual play was not bad. It was Eli's decision to throw to that specific spot that was bad. Uh, he had uh, the broadcast pointed out that Barkley was open on a checkdown, and, and as much as we um, have said stop throwing to Barkley on checkdowns, that is a point in the game where that absolutely makes sense to throw to Barkley on a check down, especially with one timeout left, you still probably have one more shot to the end zone before you have to kick a field goal. He also had Corey Coleman as a check down option on the other side of the field. And to his right, he had Sterling Shepard on a wide open corner that probably could have gone for a touchdown, but his progression just never went that way. So that play in general was a good call. There were three good options. Eli just took the worst one. Yeah, I I have to go back and rewatch the game still. I'm waiting for the coach's tape to come out. Uh, unfortunately, the NFL game pass takes half of forever for that to happen. I do wonder if on that play, they didn't have basically two, two concepts called a man beater on one side and a zone beater on the other. And Eli just went with whichever concept he read. And that's why he didn't go to the other options. Or he just wanted, he just trusted Odell to go up and make a play, which is generally not a terrible course of action. More often than not, one of the best receivers in the league is going to make a play. Like you said, I don't hate the thought process, but again, the, yeah, the decision, not great. Yeah, being being aggressive to try to get another touchdown at the end of the half was necessary. Yeah. They... They needed that. And obviously, it wasn't the 19 points they had was not going to be enough. And, and that was clear almost as soon as the second half started uh, that they were going to need more points. So, yeah, that was it was definitely uh, going to be a need. And, and being aggressive there, I have absolutely no problem with. This specific throw, I absolutely have a problem with. There was no way that was going to be completed. And Eli needs to know that. For someone who has loved checkdowns all season, <laughs> for him to finally want to force something there is not ideal. So maybe let's talk about Eli, as as much as we talk about him, I'm not sure if he's going to be as much of a conversation in here for this game because there's a lot of other things to break down on offense, but Eli was not particularly good in this game. He still had 8 yards per attempt and just under 300 yards passing, but he had a QBR of 46. Again, QBR, if you just kind of break it down, could be a win probability statistic, so players who teams who have a quarterback who 
a play like Eli did in this game should only win the game 46% of the time. And that's just, that's not good. No, I mean, I'm not sure you can look at the game and say Eli was the reason they lost, but he certainly didn't help them win. Right. And that's pretty much where he is as a quarterback. He can quarterback you to a win, but he's not going to have a superhuman effort and will a team to victory. And he's also probably not going to make crippling mistakes, really. He is what he is right now. And like you said, there were there are so many other things we could talk about. Yeah, so I think bef- before we get to some of the other things, I-, I think there is a part of Eli that we can talk about, and I think it's with this game plan. So last week he had, what, one incompletion? And I think that's the reason that game plan was able to work. Uh, Eli was able to convert on the passes that they had, and I think if if he doesn't have only one incompletion last week, they probably lose that game. So what what my problem was, was I thought they were going to learn the wrong lessons from that game against Tampa last week. And I think they did because Eli was not nearly as good as he was last week. And I think that's part of the reason they lost sticking with this game plan. Now, as we move forward to, to some of the things we, we can really talk about in this game plan, and I think people had a lot of questions about what happened in the second half and and how plays were called in the second half. And I know there was a big call that the Giants had abandoned the run. And that, I'm just going to say right now, that is objectively not true in the second half. So the Giants had to punt on their first three drives in the second half. But let me read out to you what those plays were. Barkley run up the middle for three yards. Then Eli got sacked on a second and long where they should be passing. Then on a third and 18, it was a Barkley up the middle for four yards. Then they punt. The next drive, and, and this is where maybe you can question what happened because Barkley was not on the field for this drive. They were getting Gallman some time, but I'm not totally upset with that. I think it's fine to get Wayne Gallman a, a drive at some point. But those plays were Gallman for five yards. Gallman for seven yards, uh, but then a false start by Nate Solder, uh, then an incomplete pass on first and 15, then a negative three-yard run on second and 15, and then a negative two-yard pass on third and 18 after a timeout to avoid a delay of game. Um, so the Giants are running. And then, and then the next drive is when they went three and out on three passes where there were two incompletions and a sack on third down. But there were plenty of runs there. It's just there were penalties that pushed them back. There were sacks that pushed them back. And and that's what pushed the Giants back and did not allow them to go. There were plenty of runs there. The problem was some of them just weren't successful. Yeah, and the first half was basically convinced the Giants they could run the ball. But that was mostly just Saquon Barkley doing... Saquon Barkley things and making other elite athletes look silly. And that was almost all the the long touchdown run. Because if if you look at what Barkley did by success rate, by expected points added, so this measures how many runs he had that had positive expected points added, only two of his 13 runs in this game had positive EPA. That's a success rate of 15.4%. That is terrible. Um, so if he did, 
if he stayed with the same success rate in the second half, he would have been putting the Giants back anyway. And that's that's one of the problems of of being so run-heavy like that is when the plays aren't working, that he can put the Giants back by trying to establish the run or whatever you want to call it. Wayne Goldman, for how angry you might be at Barkley not being on the field, four of his five carries had positive expected points added. So that's an 80% success rate. So there's, there's a huge difference there. So to say that the Giants abandoned the run in the second half is absolutely lazy. And I'm calling, I'm sorry, I'm calling out whoever wanted to say that after the game because it's objectively just not true. That is not why the Giants blew the lead in the second half. It's just, it's not. In fact, I would say the Giants should probably have a lot more plays, if they even have any, with both Gallman and Barkley on the field. And a little bit of housekeeping we didn't mention was that Evan Ingram missed the game due to a very late hamstring injury. After the inactives were declared, he tweaked, pulled. I don't know, maybe you have, Dan. I haven't seen the severity of the injury, but during warm-ups, he injured his hamstring and didn't play. But I'm not sure you can tell me that Scott Simonson is a better option than Wayne Gallman if you want to move the ball and score points. Right. I would love to see more plays with both running backs on the field at the same time. Both of them can catch the ball too, so that doesn't take anything away in the passing game. And I mean, as as big of a loss as Ingram should be, he's obviously <laughs> shown up in with really big plays at the end of the past two games, the last two weeks. But he has Maybe not that's been, why the Giants lost. Right, they didn't have their fourth been, quarter secret weapon. <laughs> that's right. They didn't have their closer. As banged up as this secondary was, as banged up as this Eagles secondary was, even not having Ingram should not have been that big of a deal in for this offense. And they still were able to move the ball in the second half. The, the problem was what happens once they get down to the red zone. And, and I think that was absolutely uh, an issue uh, in this game. They completely cramp up now once once they get to the red zone. So on, on their second drive... Once they get to first and goal, they have Barkley for one yard, then Barkley for two yards on second and goal from the nine, and then an incomplete pass to Barkley that, you know, maybe had some defensive contact there, but again, you're, you're not even throwing to the end zone until a third and goal from the seven. And then in the drive late in the game, when they're down 22-19, they, they get inside the red zone. There's a short pass to Shepard on first and 10 from the 17. Then there's a one-yard run from Barkley on second and five from the 12. And then they don't throw toward the end zone until a third and four. Again, that's another pass with Beckham where there was some defensive contact, but you can't just hope there's going to be defensive contact on these plays. You, you have to try. And again, there's just short yard runs to Barkley right up the middle that are not working and are putting the Giants in a third down situation where they have to throw and you can't always trust them because they have actually been really bad on third down. There was a chart I put in the offensive preview for this game on Big Blue View that was one of the craziest third down splits I have ever seen. 
one of the best ways to convert third down is to not face them. And the Giants have actually been good with that on some. They had, coming into this game, like 78% of their first downs came on first or second down. And that is incredible. But the problem is when they don't gain yards on first and second down, they have the longest average third down in the league when they do face it. And they are awful at converting third down when when they do face it and that was that ended up being a problem late in this game they run these unsuccessful plays on first and second down and they put them in third and long and they just can't convert and that was again something that happened especially when it happens in the red zone here and that's when things turn into field goals when they should be scoring touchdowns yeah and I think that plays into the uh say the identity crisis the Giants have they're built to be a chunk yardage team and they're almost like the Yankees hitting home runs if they're going to score it's going to be on the long ball and if the Giants are going to get a first down it's because they're going to be picking up yards on either first or second down they just don't have it in them to be a methodical short yardage team yeah, so let's let's keep with that analogy. Imagine the Yankees have all these home run hitters, and imagine having a coach come in or a general manager come in and tell them they should be hitting ground balls through the middle. Yeah, it that's exactly where the Giants are right now. They're they've got home run hitter after home run hitter, and they're telling them to hit ground balls through the gap between short and second, or bunt down the third baseline. That's that's kind of ridiculous. Actually, no, not kind of. It is. Yeah, it absolutely is. And and that's it's a it's been a problem for the offense. They've been able to hit more big plays as of late, so it's covered up some of the problems. But when you have when you have a, a game like this and, and they need to have those types of plays, they just they can't convert. But I think for as much as we harp on the offense and that's obviously easy to do because it it was not great in this game or at least not where it should have been uh, especially from the game plan perspective but I think we should jump over to the other side of the ball because again the defense was not good and part of why the offense should have been more aggressive early is because we knew this defense was probably going to give up some plays late which it did that's pretty much what they always do Part of it is the offense gets to a spot where they just can't sustain a drive and the defense will get gassed, I suppose, even though in in this game, the Eagles and the Giants had almost the same number of plays. I believe the Giants had 62 offensive plays. The Eagles had 65, which is really what a defense is expected and conditioned to be on the field for. But eventually they're just... The other team is just going to break through. We see it again and again and again and again. Part of it is because the Giants have no pass rush. Even even with Olivia Vernon back, he has been a severe disappointment. And they can't they don't seem to be able to get much in the way of uh pressure on the quarterback unless they're blitzing. And even then it's spotty. And the coverage is the coverage is worse than a cell phone back in 1998. Yeah, it, I mean, they, they are working through a lot on that the back end of the secondary, but it's just, it's the same things we, we see over again. And now I think there's even more stress on that secondary because 
Landon Collins has been playing more linebacker over the past couple weeks. He's, he's Which for really, him is not a bad thing. Right. So so when, you, when you're looking at that, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I like him in, I think now he is playing that money backer role where he is He's lined up like next to Alec Ogletree on on a lot of these plays now, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's probably where he's best suited. Um, we can disagree on whether ma- putting him in that position and having him cover some tight ends one-on-one is the best use of him, but I think overall having him in the box is, is not a bad thing, but now that's putting more stress on... Some of these guys in the secondary is putting more stress on B.W. Webb. That's putting a little more stress on Grant Haley, who I I think did have a a pretty good game. He had a tough ask for most of the time on Golden Tate in the slot, but I think he played pretty well, considering uh, Sean Chandler is playing more, and and now that puts that puts Curtis Riley in in single high sets uh, more often, and that as as we know is not a great thing uh, for the defense. Uh, so that puts a lot of stress on that secondary, especially when they are sending these blitzes and they're not always getting home. It, exactly. And I think the problem isn't landing Collins per se. It's that the, they don't have the pieces around him to use him at his best. You know, a free safety, and we've talked about this before, a free safety is important, really important, way more important than it gets credit for being in a modern NFL defense. And when you're running basically a blitz heavy cover one defense which you need that single high safety taking away the deep routes or recognizing where the offense is going and providing the double team where it has to be you cannot hide bad free safety play you just can't and the giants also need one good linebacker and maybe that's why landon collins is playing more linebacker now because because they do need that but i i mean man we need i think we need to talk about alec ogletree again because he, he oh was, do we ever. he was bad in this game i mean it's it's maybe not things you would see unless unless you're paying a close attention but just i mean re-watching the game it was he sometimes he does what he's supposed to do to a fault so on uh, the Zach Ertz touchdown. Uh, it was a 15-yard touchdown. Uh, Ertz, it was like a second and nine. Ertz just ran to the first down marker and turned around. And Ogletree kind of had his feet planted in zone coverage exactly where he was supposed to be. But didn't react to Ertz even though he was the only player remotely close to his zone. <laughs> Ogletree just kind of stood pat in his zone and didn't react until the ball was thrown to Ertz and by that time it was too late and Ertz was able to break through his tackle and then like three more tackles on his way to the end zone. Then there was the Corey Clement 32-yard run in the second quarter. Ogletree now, I, I, I don't know what he's thinking. If he just, like, stays where he was, he should have been able to tackle Clement in, in the gap, but instead he just forces contact on Jason Peters, who had pulled, and completely takes himself out of the play by basically blocking himself. Like, he didn't need to do that. There was There was no point to forcing contact with the offensive lineman and it took himself out of the play and created a wide open gap for a big run. And it, he gets he gets blocked out of plays so often and then there was the pass defense 
that he got credit for, but it was on a blitz, he fell down. And as he got up, Wentz didn't see him, so the ball hit off his helmet as he stood up. And then it almost bounced into Nelson Aguilar's hands, who would have been able to have a gigantic run after the catch if he had caught it. He's just, he's either out of position or he's in position so much to a fault where he's not naturally reacting to anything. And when he's the center of your defense, that's, it's not good. You you can't have a defense like that. And it allows everyone else to just run around on the offense. And they know exactly how to take advantage of where he's going to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if it is a lack of instincts or perhaps maybe a slower processing speed, but just all the time, no matter how many tackles he has, you always see him just out of position, either just late arriving, just late getting off a block, whatever, and having a player run through an arm tackle or him just missing the tackle and as a player runs past him it's it's just another thing that's just so frustrating to see or him in coverage and not picking up a guy running through his zone you know just standing there and watching the backfield yeah, he does it a lot of times with running backs. Uh, if they come out of the backfield, he'll stand in the middle of his zone, uh, in the middle of the field, and won't react when someone is running past him. He he won't leave the zone to like naturally react to something, and he doesn't react until like the pass is in the air, and by that time it's way too late. And for for all the talk about how athletic he is and his speed and whatever. everything he has he it's um, negated because he doesn't react fast enough yeah exactly it none of that matters because his i guess I, i don't know if it's his mental processing speed or whatever but what he does mentally puts him a step behind and his athleticism is not good enough to make up for that step he'd be athletic enough if he reacted when he was supposed to but rarely does he do that and I think if he did, he would still be a Ram. Yeah, that's that's probably the case. And, I mean, we're not going to get on some of these other defensive players so much because they are young guys who maybe aren't supposed to be in the position they are right now, but Ogletree was supposed to be the guy. And, I mean, there were some of us who didn't think he played well as a Ram. Um, obviously, the Rams were, were one of those teams, <laughs> even though they gave him that big contract. But he was supposed to be the guy. They they gave up an asset, even though it was only a fourth-round pick, but they took on the contract, which was much bigger. Which forced other moves down the line. Right, and he was supposed to be the guy in the middle of the defense, and that just, it hasn't worked out. Uh, and that's why we will get on him so much, because that was supposed to be the big move that put that centerpiece of the defense and made everything else work. Um, and that has been one of the biggest problems on the defense. Yeah, and, you know, Tay Davis, you know, undrafted rookie out of Chattanooga, he played the second most snaps among linebackers. But I can't, I can't get on him for, you know, whatever mistakes he made. He's an undrafted rookie. You're not supposed to be able, supposed to be relying on guys like that 
to be a significant piece of your defense because the guy who is supposed to be the guy can't cover and you need somebody with some kind of athleticism and functional athleticism on nickel downs, which are most of them. It's tough to see if that's something that can be fixed. And and with something so exploitable in the middle of the defense, I mean, now smart opposing offenses are, are going to continue to, to go against that and use that against the Giants. So, I mean, next week they have the Bears. Can you imagine Alec Ogletree trying to run after Tariq Cohen? Like, that's that's just, that's just not going to work. That, but that's what we're going to see, whether it's Mitchell Trubisky or Chase Daniels throwing him the ball. That's what we're going to see, because... Cohen is their leading receiver. Yeah, and if not, it, then it's you know Trey Burton who is able to move at the tight end position. Man, it's just there's as we continue to push forward in this season, I think more questions than answers have popped up, and I don't think that was regardless of of whether anyone thought the Giants should be competitive or or whatever you thought the end result of this giant season was going to be, I think along the line, we were supposed to get answers on a bunch of things heading into the 2019 season. And I'm not totally sure if that's been the case. I think more questions have come up than answers have as as we look to what this team is going to end up being. And I think a lot of that comes uh, in the defense right now. And and that linebacker position is, I, I think, one of them um, because of the effort that was made to shore up that position that just hasn't worked. That and, again, I keep coming back to the free safety position, but I think Giants fans have seen the difference a good free safety can make. You know, look back to when Kenny Phillips was back there, Jason Witten went on or was asked on an ESPN interview, what kind of a difference Phillips makes or made. And he straight up said that Phillips took plays out of their playbook. They did not run vertical plays when he was back at free safety because they knew they weren't going to be there. You know, the giants have seen Will Hill at free safety, you know, when he wasn't suspended and, it made an incredible difference. And then they've also seen guys like Brandon Merriweather at free safety and now Curtis Riley. So that's another one I keep coming back to. And with the needs they have on offense and depressing needs they have on offense, the defensive questions might not get answered or they can only answer so many questions. (laughs) Yeah. That, that seems to, to be what, is is again going to be a, a struggle and a dilemma as as they go into the offseason and d- right now those those deficiencies on the defense I were a big reason that cost them the game against the Eagles I think part of it was the willingness to be aggressive on offense uh and that that's not a personnel issue. That is, I mean, maybe it is. If if the reason for that is the quarterback, then that turns into a personnel issue of you're going to need a new quarterback if that's what is making you so averse at 
being aggressive. But I think that is going to be more more of a, a coaching thing where, as, as we've said, the, the the offense is just going to be and it'd be coaching and game planning, but but the defense is where this team lacks talent, uh, and it, it has continued to come up. Last week against Tampa Bay, they were able to just hold on, and like we said last week, they were able to hold on because they were gifted these interceptions uh, by Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston. Carson Wentz is not that guy. He's not the guy who's going to be gifting interceptions, and he didn't, and there weren't turnovers in this game so when the Eagles were still able to move the ball late in the game those ended up in points I mean two field goals and a touchdown in the second half for the Eagles they were just able to to move the ball and the Giants weren't able to do anything about it and and that's a problem that has been a problem that that continues to to pop up uh, and it's definitely going to be a problem against the Bears next week oh Definitely. Yeah. Although the Bears and looking at the Bears defense, I'm not sure the Giants defense is even going to enter into it. I The Bears defense might score enough points on its own that their offense might not even have to take the field. You can say the, uh, the offensive line has been you know playing a little better. It's not as atrocious as it was uh, in the beginning of the season. There's still some things that need to be worked out. Giants gave up two sacks in this game. But yeah, I mean, like Khalil Mack and, and Akeem Hicks are going to be no joke. And say Leonard Floyd and the rest of those guys. And, and the secondary uh, is going to be good. So it, who knows what the Giants game plan in this game. The way this season has been going, this is going to be the game where the Giants want to drop back and throw the ball 20 yards down the field uh, against uh, Khalil Mack and, and Kyle Fuller uh, and Eddie Jackson in, in the secondary there at safety. And don't forget <laughs> Prince Mukamara. <laughs> yeah. So, man, who knows? It's, it's been a confusing, disappointing season, and this was a confusing and disappointing game. I think we can end right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I think that pretty much sums it up. So uh, please subscribe to this podcast if you have not. You'll get these shows. You'll get our draft show at the end of the week. You'll also get two Valentine's Views episodes uh, that will be coming. Uh, please rate and review if you have not. Please follow our work at Big Blue View on Twitter at Big Blue View, Instagram at Big underscore Blue underscore View. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. You can follow Chris on Twitter at RaptorMKII. We will be back later in the week for our college show. I guess we'll uh, we'll be previewing some some conference championship games. Probably uh, diving into another position because um, we did not do that uh, this past week. But uh, we will be doing that. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Fultron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, 
bears in video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Podcast. It's not Voltron. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.